Alex Lin here, and welcome to the first episode of the Asian Weekly podcast series, where we highlight Asian American stories and perspectives around the country. Today's guest, Alberto Chang, has worked in the accounting and private consulting world for over two decades, and has recently switched careers to become a certified social worker for a little over five years. Today on the show, we will discuss a little bit about his experience of social work during the pandemic, as well as how he hopes to navigate the path of raising his son. So after spending so many years in the business world, what prompted you to switch careers and go into social work? Sure. I um, was reaching a point in my business career where the focus was more on selling than actually doing the work. And I don't enjoy the selling aspect of consulting. I am not one who likes to meet strangers and assess how much money they have that they can throw my way for projects. And I took some time off to reflect about what I wanted to do and I wanted to help people. And I get immense pleasure in helping people. So that's why I changed careers and opted to go into mental health and help people who may be struggling with mental health. And so sort of stemming off when, when you entered into this social work, this was uh, kind of right before the pandemic, uh, correct? A few years before, yes. I, I was doing um, clini- clinical work in 2017. So I already had a few years under my belt before the pandemic started. What has been some of your favorite things about becoming a social worker? Uh, well, it's a work-life balance. We all work uh, so that we can make money to pay the bills. <laughs> and sometimes enjoying your work makes it that much easier. So getting good feedback from my clients, getting seeing that they're doing okay, seeing that they can make it through their next obstacle, being their cheerleaders, being their confident, their advocate. Um, It made me feel good that I was helping people. Whereas in business, you don't really get that tangibility of helping people. You help companies make money or lose less money. So there's no personableness, if you will, in business. So stumbling into a pandemic, excluding the obvious technological changes, what were some other changes that you saw? A lot of my clients had anxiety and the hearing on the news when the pandemic first started really set them back. They didn't want to leave the house. They just stayed at home at all costs. Um, And that really caused them to not be mentally healthy because all they did was worry. And then then watching the news at home didn't help. So um, not being able to interact with people. So some of my clients live on their own. So that really uh, hindered them socially. Uh, So those are major themes that I saw with the pandemic and how it affected some of my some people with mental health issues. Earlier, you mentioned news and how it affected your patients. 
we see that there is a disproportionate uptick in hate crimes where overall hate crimes rose by a mere 13%, while hate crimes committed against Asians rose 73%. And major cities across the country have seen well over 100, 200%. So as a father, how do you explain to your kid this rise in hate crimes against the Asian American community? It's a very good question. He's seven, so for me, I'm not sure I want to introduce that level of violence to him. He, we live in a predominantly white neighborhood. It's an upper middle class neighborhood, more affluent, and it's not that big. It's sixteen thousand, but there has been, I can count three incidents that happened to me, where I was targeted with comments because of my race being Asian. And on one of those instances, this was probably two years ago, so he was five. We were walking and some kid walking by us made some remarks pretending to be Asian, mocking us. Um, and fortunately for my son, I he didn't hear it or didn't understand it. If he heard it, he may not have understood what child was doing because it clear was a child and I chose to ignore and not do anything. So for me, I don't want to introduce any of the, in our field, there's this adverse childhood trauma <laughs> that could really impact you. And I just, I'm trying to minimize that. He, my son was too young to understand that. So I let that slide. I didn't react to it. So he's oblivious to what happened. But what is interesting to me is I always fear about raising him in a predominantly white neighborhood because that's what happened to me. I was raised in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, I was an immigrant who came to this country and definitely lacked the social awareness, lacked the assimilation, lacked the U.S. culture because as immigrants, you don't have that. So I had to make new friends as an immigrant who had limited English. And so I encountered a lot of racism. And back there, it was the 80s, so it was completely different. People were much more racist, more, less open. It was always called a melting pot, but it was really more of a salad bowl where people stick to their own um, demographics. But my son, however, is um, different. He is growing up and with kids who are American, who are clueless about his ethnicity. Uh, one of his classmates said recently, uh, I said something about O'Connor's Chinese and his classmate says, he's not Chinese. And it's, you know, it's really weird. <laughs> it's so weird. So clearly they accepted my son, Connor, um, and do not view him. So we've gone, that's tremendous. That's a tremendous improvement. Um, you know, that's amazing that people can be friends with each other despite color differences in skin um, at that age. So this is clear evidence that racism is taught by ignorant people and passed on by ignorant people. But if you can have kids just playing together if you're not taught to be racist, if you're not taught to be prejudiced, you can't get along, you know? So I have hope. 
I have hope in staying and raising my son in a predominantly white neighborhood um, and with the hope that he will not be ashamed of his race, he will not be ashamed of his ethnicity because he will be different from others. To you, what does it mean to show up and support the Asian American community? Sure. So first and foremost, internally, it's we need to be proud of our heritage, full stop. And we see it among whites. People are proud of their Irish background, their Italian background, their German background, even mud. People are very proud of their mud. So why not be proud of being Chinese? There are a lot of great inventions that came from China, pasta, you know, gunpowder, <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, and even though um, China currently politically is a communist country and maybe we don't like it the way they're run, uh, we have to at least re respect the, do I say century-old traditions, century-old values, history. You know, there's a lot of rich, culturally rich things about each different culture. So I think internally, we need to be proud of ourselves. We shouldn't be ashamed that, that we have eyes that are different, color skins that are darker, hair that doesn't curl. <laughs> so uh, we need to be done. Externally, I think the best thing is continuing to support our businesses. I love these Facebook groups based in Chinatown that people post like the lady selling the, um, you know, the banana leaves wrapped things that Zhongji, uh, you know, all those things, they post them, like, go buy it and supporting our um, our uh, brethren in their businesses would be great. Exposing non-Chinese people or non-Asian people to our food and culture would be great. I love seeing how, you know, some of Connor's classmates know how to use chopsticks. You know, I love that some of the Connor's classmates love Chinese food, you know, so I think it's, it's baby steps like that. For me, I have, when it comes to Chinese New Year or the Lantern Festival, I try to do something in the community, invite his classmates and his friends so that there could be something cool. And so I, every year, every time I do something, I have kids telling their parents, it's so cool to be Chinese, you know, so it, that, when I hear that, it makes me happy. Yeah, so it just makes people not be afraid of the differences. It's really tough. I think when you have a pandemic, something catastrophic, if you will, that they, I mean, it has killed over millions of people. Um, people are very likely to try to find a scapegoat, a reason behind it. And, it's so easy to band together for a common enemy. And unfortunately, our last president um, set the tone for that. Uh, and unfortunately, hate crimes towards Asians increase exponentially, as mentioned. And it is horrible. It's horrible that um, women, Asian women in large urban cities were getting hurt and what's worse 
I believe is that there's all these unreported incidents. So my mom, who's elderly Asian, um, lived in New York City prior to the pandemic. I would take her to her normal med appointments in New York City, and I would try to impress on my mom how unsafe it was. <clears throat> and I would ask her Chinese nurse, Chinese-American nurse, I'm like, can you just tell my mom about the anti-Asian violence because she wants to move back to New York City and I'm really afraid that there's still a lot of anti-Asian violence. And the nurse said, it happened to me. I was walking and someone threw a rock at me to my shoulder. And so that thing got reported. So there's all the, so I'm afraid that the statistics could be even worse. Um, because of all these unreported incidents. And it is tough. It is tough um, for all Asian Americans who live in the U.S., whether it's urban or suburban or rural, because there's just a tone of finding a scapegoat. It's a, it's a tough time for Asian Americans, and I'm really happy and hopeful that people are speaking out. I'm happy that we have allies. I'm happy that uh, we can band together to educate people and hopefully that we are in an era of if you see something, say something. You know, there's so many incidents that people are not helping the victims, but we all need to take a stand and help each other, you know, for the sake of humanity. Thank you so much for your time, Alberto. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Asian Weekly Podcast with your host, Alex Lin. I hope that this episode gave you another perspective of social work and fatherhood during the pandemic. If you enjoy the weekly newsletter installments or podcast episodes of Asian American Current Events and Perspectives, please feel free to sign up for the email list and keep an eye out for releases on Sundays or Mondays. That's all for the episode this week. See you next time.